I used to go when I was a little boy, eat lunch every Sunday with my grandmother. My grandfather would always ask me something that the preacher said. And if I couldn't answer something, a scripture verse or some point that he gave me, uh, that the preacher gave us, then he would start preaching the sermon again while the fried chicken and all the other stuff started getting cold, you know, at our house. So I learned early on to get one thing, young people especially, one thing the preacher said. So if you get asked that question, and we've already done it, and it's the title of this message, Your Influence. Each one of us influences someone else or a group of people uh, every day in every way. And already today, I'm sure that I have influenced you, some of you, before. You're saying, who is that guy? Well, my name is Bob Harper. My wife, Weld, and I are glad to be here with you. Uh, we're glad to share God's Word with you. Uh, and uh, you were my employer Till I retired back in December, the end of December, as uh, the team leader of the missions team of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. So anything missions across the state uh, kind of came through, and we, we did some of those kind of things. Prior to that, I was at Park Hill Church. Prior to that, I was at First Baptist Church Whitehall for several years. And prior to that, at First Baptist Church Marvel for several years. So I'll give you a little bit of my history and where I am. I hope that you have your copy of God's Word with you or your phone or something. I recognize that many of us can pull that up with a cell phone. And you will open it with me to Acts chapter 16. We're going to read a, not a real long passage of Scripture, but I think a familiar passage of Scripture. And we're going to talk about how we influence people around us. As believers, as others, as we drove up here today, there were many people uh, outside that were not attending a local church. Uh, many, several were mowing their grass, doing other things. And uh, as I came along, God was impressing upon my heart and mind, uh, Lord, do they not know you? Uh, do they not worship you? Now, I recognize that we have worship services and being a mission team leader all throughout different times, and that's awesome. Uh, everything doesn't have to exactly happen on Sunday morning at 10.30 or 11 o'clock. It can happen at other times, and there are other people that are there, especially in our world. But we still influence some people, and I recognize that there's over half of the people that you and I will come in contact with that don't know Jesus, probably more then half of our Kansans do not know your Lord and Savior, my Lord and Savior. And I hope today, if you don't know Him, that as we've been singing and talking about, you'll get to know Him. Well, Acts chapter 16, we're going to start reading in a minute about influence. Webster defines the word influence as the power of a person or a group of one others to produce effects without the use of physical force or authority. Without physical force or authority, we make a difference in other people's lives. Romans chapter 14 says, Not a one of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. So one of these days, every one of us is going to stand before God. We're going to be there in God's presence with Jesus right beside us. And we're going to give an account of how we have influence the lives of other people. And so that's very important. Now I want to ask you to do something. You don't have to do it, okay? 
I'm going to ask you, if you'd like to, as I read God's Word, out of reverence to God's Word, that you stand. Now, I realize you've already stood some, and if that's difficult, you stay right there. That doesn't mean you don't think about God's Word. That just means that God's Word's important. And uh, I understand, as I get a little older, that sometimes it's easier to sit down than it is to jump up and down and up and down and up and down. But listen, this is God's Word to us. This is not Bob, Bob Harper's Word. This is God's Word to us, and so let's listen as we read together. Acts chapter 16, we're going to start reading in verse 11. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God, and the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. So she persuaded us. And if you're reading that in Greek, men, this means you didn't have a choice. That word means that the lady spoke, you better do it. All right? Just kind of break that down for us. Verse 16, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Talk about an influence there. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates, and they said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they are teaching customs, which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. And then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, and he fastened their feet into the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were asleep. Is that what your Bible says? No, that is not what your Bible says. That's probably what Bob Harper would have been doing, complaining, fussing. But God's Word says in verse 25, At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed and the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open supposed the prisoners had fled drew his sword and was about to kill himself but Paul called with a loud voice saying do yourself no harm for we are all here he called for a light ran in fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved. 
So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your whole household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and he washed their stripes. Immediately he and all of his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Father, would you bless the reading of your word? Would you take my feeble words and make them your words, Lord, to us? Meet every need, as I know you and your Holy Spirit can do. Lord, help us to have listening ears. Lord, help me to be the vessel through which you speak to me and to all of us so that we might give praise and glory to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask it all in his name. Amen. There's a lot of different influence that went on in this scripture account. Obviously, Lydia was a lady of quite some means. She had a good business. She sold purple cloths. She was going to church. She was what we might classify as a high-class type individual that, that was doing well in her life. She heard Paul. The scripture says that she... Uh, went to prayer on a regular basis. That's a good thing for us to remember that if we can bring our lost people to church and and pray with them and share God's Word with them, it it helps uh, when when people get around godly people. Uh, We used to do that all the time when I was growing up. Church was a great place to go because that's where the pizza was and that's where the girls were. And that's where you went. My wife would say, yeah. I met her by the time I was 12, by the way, just for you. You get me in trouble. But Lydia was going, searching, seeking God. And so when Paul and Silas came along and they explained to her what Jesus, who Jesus was and what they were telling other people. And we, if we know the history of this account, we know he, Paul has had this Macedonian call to go to this place and and we read that earlier in this chapel and we know that that God has moved him here there's some people that that God wants to speak through Paul to 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 make a difference in their life and Lydia is one of those Lydia is one of those people that when she walked down the aisle at the church she said here's my tithe where do I work in the nursery where can I sign up for a wana I want to do this I want to do that I want to be part of it she was a person that as they come into church, we, we welcome them in. We're excited to have them as members of our church because they just jump right in. Scripture says that Lydia and all of her household began to trust in Jesus. And they were so excited that they made Paul and Silas go home for lunch on a repeated basis. The next individual is not quite so high class in our scriptural account. It's a young lady. It's a young lady that has all kinds of problems. We could say that she has some type of spirit, some type of demon, some type of way of speaking, maybe through ventriloquism or something like that to tell fortunes. Maybe she just guesses. Who knows? But her masters, the people that were putting her down, making financial gain off of her, if you will, were using her only for their own benefit. They didn't care about her. They were very upset when she becomes healed. 
that's another story in just a minute. But notice what this lady says in our scripture. As Paul and Silas come by in verse 17, this girl, not knowing Jesus, not seeking Jesus at this point in her life, being led astray, if you will, but she screams out, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. I suggest to us as believers that even lost people are influenced by our lifestyle and by you being in church. Some of you and I have neighbors that wonder why on Sunday morning we get up and put on some nicer clothes maybe and go somewhere to church. Because they don't go. They don't understand why we're here. They don't understand why we pray. They don't understand why we give some of our resources away to further the kingdom of Jesus Christ. They do not understand because it's foreign to them. But here's a lady that is like all lost people looking, needing Jesus Christ. And it annoyed Paul. Luke says that for us. It, 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 it just upset Paul. Because day after day this continued on. And finally he turned and not to the girl, but to the evil spirit within the girl that I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out. You see, Paul loved the girl, but he didn't love the sin in the life of the girl. He didn't love the sin in the life of the masters that were using this girl in a negative way. It was been a, a low-class person, if you will. We classified her by our culture. She wasn't well thought of in the community except for what she could gain somebody else. Scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that you and I as believers are a peculiar people. You're different. Nobody else in this place looks like you, acts like you, is you. You is you. I can say it that way. Scripture says you are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into the light his marvelous light. Paul healed her. But that's when the problem began. You see, when you start doing what God wants you to do, Satan wakes up and here he comes. If, if you hadn't heard from Satan lately, guess who you're serving? You with me? If you hadn't heard from Satan lately, if you hadn't been tempted in some way, I didn't say you sinned, but if you hadn't give Satan some problem lately... You may just be going through this life and not realizing the sinful culture, the sinful people that we're all around. You see, you and I need to love the sinner, but we do not need to love the sin. And these masters, they didn't appreciate. They had what I call an unappreciated influence. They didn't like Paul. They didn't like Silas. They trumped up charges against them. Said these men are doing things that are not lawful for us to do. They're messing us up. The bottom line is they were taking away their money because all of a sudden the spirit was gone. And this young lady was of no use to them anymore. Here's where the difficulty begins because they get Paul and Silas and they 
you know the story well. They beat him. They put him in prison. They put him in the stocks, way down in the prison. They charged the jailer. Hey, whatever you do, do not let these people escape. We don't like them. We don't want them. So Paul and Silas have been accused falsely. They did something wonderful. They've had a wonderful business lady to accept the Lord. They've had a, a young girl to, to be freed from her evil spirit and to be set free to be a, a child of God. And here's a harperism, okay? Here, what a harperism is, is I can't prove it to you out of the Bible. I just believe when I get to heaven, this is what it's going to be like. I believe that young lady's going to be there. She's going to be in heaven with us. And she's going to say, Paul and Silas set me free. Not because of who they were, but because of Jesus. Here they were telling me. That's a harperism. Got a whole bunch of them in my life. You may have some too. But Scripture tells us very clearly that Paul and Silas were jailed, that the magistrates trumped up these charges, that, that they were there. And I, I think that's where a lost world really is watching you and me when, when Satan comes upon us and when things aren't going well, when the, when the doctor says it's cancer, it's heart disease, or our culture is just running crazy and, and TV is no longer worth watching and everything seems to be pointing away from God and godliness. I think this is where a lost world's looking at me and looking at you. They say, who do you really believe? Who do you really trust? Who really takes away the sin of the world? When things aren't good and you're in jail and you've been beaten and it's midnight, are you asleep spiritually? Or are you praying and singing praises to God? Good question. Good question. I wish I could say in my life that I've always been wide awake praying and singing, but I think if we're really honest with one another and we really tell the truth, there's times where we look at God and say, God, I didn't deserve this. I didn't ask for this. Don't you know I've been going to church all my life? Don't you know that I was raised in the church? I was a, I was a druggie as a child. My parents drugged me to church whether I wanted to go or not. I've always been there. Lord, why, why is this happening to me? But Paul and Silas didn't say that. They said, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise, praise Him, all creatures here below. Praising God. And if you read again this passage, you'll read several other people that were influenced. First of all, notice the prisoners are all listening. There's a lost world that's listening for us as believers to see what we say. To see if when we go from this place, we tell them about Jesus. If we give them a cup of cold water. If we share the good news. If we live out what we say we believe. And then there's a jailer who has been charged with keeping them secure in the prison. And true enough, Scripture says he's asleep. He thinks everything's fine. He thinks the prisoners are going to be there. And then all of a sudden, the earthquake occurs. He wakes up 
and he thinks his life is ruined. He thinks they've all left and he's going to be killed. Paul calls out with a loud voice, don't harm yourself, for we are all here. If you're one of those people that underlines things in your Bible, I encourage you to underline the word all in this passage of Scripture. All of Lydia's family become believers. All of the prisoners don't run out. The people that are rapists and murderers and thieves and people that deserve to be there in that prison stick around when they have a freedom because something is more compelling to them than anything else. And that's the faith of Paul and Silas. People that ought to be complaining, fussing. Instead, they're listening. The jailer thinks he needs to kill himself, but you and I know that that doesn't occur. He comes in and Paul says, don't harm yourself, and he calls for a light. He comes in trembling under conviction and asks that wonderful question that you've probably heard several times in church. Sirs, what, what must I do to be saved? And you see, that might be the question that you are asking today. You, you may be one of those people that you don't understand all about this church stuff and this Christian stuff and this religious stuff and, and what's going on in our world and, and where is God anyway? You may have lots of questions, but yet the Holy Spirit is just revealing something into your life that you realize you are lost and on your way away from God. You're on your way to, to a place called hell, a, a place of horrible suffering. And, and there's people that are going a different direction and on their way, they're, they're on this same journey and sometimes, but, but they're on this way to heaven and they've got a smile on their face and they're at peace with, with things that are going on even though some of them aren't good. You realize I'm missing something. What do I need to do? Paul and Silas say it very clearly. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by Him. Not your money, not your family, not your church, not a preacher. No one can correct what's wrong in your life except Jesus Christ. And you begin to say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. I know I've said things I shouldn't have said, and they're lies, and I know I've taken things I shouldn't have taken, and, and I'm a thief. It doesn't matter if I robbed a bank or I just robbed something else from a brother or sister. Sin is sin. And you're helping me to understand that I'm lost and I need you. At the end of this message, in just a minute, we're going to give you a chance to simply walk forward and say to people, hey, I recognize my need and I want to talk to someone about uh, that a little further. And there'll be people that you know up here. You don't know me. <laughs> Some of you are saying, praise the Lord, I don't know him. Hopefully he doesn't preach three hours. But... You don't know me, but you know that you need Jesus. And you'd come and just ask him some questions.
Maybe there's one of you here, and, and that's not what God is asking you to do, but He's just asking you to come up here and pray for somebody that you know is lost. And you're being faithful to the call of God on your life. Maybe God is calling you to be part of this Christian church. What a beautiful building. What, what wonderful, welcoming people. You know, hey, God's calling me here to serve Him here with these peculiar people, different people that love the Lord. Maybe God's calling you to be full-time Christian service. Maybe God's calling you to the mission field. I don't know. You know. You know the Holy Spirit is speaking in your life. He's influencing you. He's saying to you, hey, this is what you need to do. And I encourage you in a few minutes to do that very thing. I wonder what other people see in us. There's all kinds of people, different classes of people, different nationalities of people. When you hired me as your mission team leader, I got a real education about missions. I'd always been interested in missions, but I got a real education. I was preaching not too far from here in a different church years ago, and there was a group of international sitting back here with an adult, a child, adult, a child, adult, a child. And every one of those children were murmuring the whole time I was preaching. Just and I thought, how rude. My grandma and grandpa would have spanked me quickly for doing that. Until God kind of knocked on my head and said, Hey, dummy, do you not realize those children know English? And their mother and daddy does not know English? And they're interpreting what you say? And God taught a mission leader, quote, about missions. You see, there's over 13 different languages spoken in Arkansas churches today in Arkansas Baptist State Convention. There's all kinds of people that meet in all kinds of ways. We're a peculiar people. The world doesn't understand us because God has called us out of darkness, out of sin, into His marvelous light, to be salt and light to the world. And He says to us, who are you going to influence? Now, Paul and Silas were invited home to the jailer's house. He fixed a meal for them. The story continues on that all of the jailer's household accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He's not concerned anymore about those masters, those magistrates, those governmental officials. He's more concerned about what God is saying in his life. None of the prisoners leave. Here's another Harperism. I think we're going to find some prisoners that were in that prison that said yes to Jesus later in life, maybe even right here. Luke doesn't tell us all that, does he? He doesn't tell us. We don't know all the things of God. We just know that the Spirit of God moved on lots of different people in a very special way, just like he can do in in our lives today. Tell us, how are you influencing people? Who do they see in you? There's a poem that I used to have memorized pretty good when I was younger. I've got it printed because a little bit older I sometimes forget the words. It's a poem that I was given when I was first surrendered to the ministry. It's about preachers. 
but I think it's about all of us as believers. It's by Edgar A. Guess, and it says, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely point the way. The eyes of better pupil, more willing than the ear. Find counsels often confusing, but your example is always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds, for to see the good in action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. Now all the lectures you deliver, they may be very wise true, but I'd really rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you in the high advice that you give. But believer, there's no misunderstanding how we act and how we live. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for your call upon our life. I'm sure there are people here today that, like me, need to do business with you. Some of us, Lord, need to do that publicly. We need to listen to your call and come forward and say, you're calling us to be your child, to be saved, to, to be different. And we recognize that our need is there and we need to talk to someone and, and, and have that further explained to us and how to become a Christian, how to be a member of this church, how to join you. Father, I'm sure there are people here today that believe in you, but we've not lived like it, and we need to come and, and commit our lives anew and afresh to you. Lord, I'm sure that in all of our lives, there are those friends and family members that don't know you, that are on a, on a pathway to an eternity without you that's horrible. Lord, I pray today that they would be heavy on our hearts, minds, and we'd be asking you, Lord, how, how can we influence them? How can we talk to them? How can we be Jesus in front of them? So, Lord, guide us in that. Father, if there are those believers that you're calling today into a different kind of service, it, it may be in, in going to a nursing home and serving you this afternoon. It may be serving you through a wana and blessing the lives of children. It may be all kinds of things. Father, help us to listen and to follow you. Thank you for this wonderful time, Lord. This is our time to respond to you. So I pray right now with your leadership, with your spirit, that we'll say yes to Jesus, whatever you want us to do. We humbly ask it all in your name. Amen.